0: Welcome to Dents in the Darkness, the monthly podcast of the Northeast Collaborative. We're a church network that empowers pastors to lead and launch healthy churches in Northeast America. I'm your host, Tim Madeira from WRGN, and I'm here with NEC's president, Dan Nichols. Well, this month we have Brad Travelpiece with us for a new type of episode for Dents in the Darkness. But before we dive into that, Dan, tell us a little bit about why you wanted to have Brad on the podcast today.
1: You got it, Tim. So Brad and I met years ago when he was a pastor in the Bloomsburg, PA area. And right away, I knew this dude was legit. Now, his wife, Krista, is way more legit, but he's okay too. (laughs) So over the years, we've stayed connected. When I was based in Northeast Pennsylvania, when I lived there, And we just became really good friends. He's totally crushing it as an awesome campus pastor with LCBC, and that stands for Lives Changed by Christ, at their campus in Hazleton, PA. And he's one of the most focused ministry leaders I've ever met. It's a a big, big honor to be his friend, and I'm just so glad we get to do this podcast episode together today.
0: Well, I'm glad. Uh, Brad and I have actually been Facebook friends for almost a year now, and this is the first time we're actually getting to meet (laughs) face-to-face. All right, well, Zoom to Zoom. Brad, we'd like to hear a little bit about your story, a quick overview of your family and your pastoral ministry and your experience. Yeah, absolutely. Tim, Dan,
2: thanks so much for having me. Excited to get to be here. And uh, yeah, so I've been in a full time ministry for seven or eight years now, been following Jesus for pretty much my whole life. Uh, grew up in the church, my family just. Uh, really was intentional to help me to discover Jesus and to, to kind of raise me towards Christ. But it wasn't until high school or so that I really made my faith my own. And I really started to understand that it wasn't just about checking the boxes of religion, but that, that Jesus wanted this real relationship with me. And he had already done everything that needed to be done to make that possible. Um, so, Uh, I remember having just a couple mentors in high school who really just helped me and shaped me. And I started having this question of like, okay, am I, am I going to go into ministry? Am I going to go into pastoral work? And um, I sat down with one of my mentors, Scott Federoff, who was my pastor at the time. And he just told me uh, I I could see myself either doing teaching and eventually becoming like a principal for a local school district or something like that. Or I could see myself going into pastoral ministry uh, full time and, I remember him saying just, hey, Brad, if you can see yourself doing anything other than ministry, then I think you should pursue that other thing. And God will make it really clear if you're called into pastoral, uh, yeah. vocational ministry. So I went to Bloomsburg University and uh, pursued a teaching degree for physics. Um, so I have a secondary education degree to be a high school physics teacher which I am not doing, and, uh, <laughs> but that's, that's where um, not only I, I didn't meet my wife at Bloomsburg University, but we were friends in high school, more friends of friends, and in college is where we really started to get to know each other better and started to get closer and started dating. My wife, Krista, we've been married for seven years oh, in a week and a half, so uh, coming up on that real soon. Nice. And then, as I was at Bloomsbury University, I started volunteering at my church's uh, student ministry, and a job opportunity opened up, and I went part time, and then full time after graduation, and. Uh, Then that church, EBC, merged with LCBC to become LCBC Columbia Montour, um, one of the campuses back in 2015. Uh, So I came on staff with LCBC then. And then back in 2016, they said, hey, we have this church in Hazleton that we're partnering with, and we'd love to see them become an LCBC location as well. Would you go over and start leading towards that process and towards that merge? So I went over about five years ago start leading with this community. And then my wife and I moved to Hazleton four years ago and have been calling LCBC Hazleton and the Hazleton community at large home ever since. It's just been a blast to see how God's moved and how God's worked. I I always just say I'm I'm just a front row seat of what God is doing and uh, Mm -hmm. has less to do with me than pretty much anybody else. And it's very much that God works in spite of me more so than he works because of me. Well, just uh, so just an honor to get to do that.
0: Yeah, just hearing your story, Brad. I mean, it sounds like you are very open to whatever it is that God would have you do. I mean, certainly heading in one direction is physics, and then winding up in ministry, and then being willing to move your family and and do what God has called you to. Yeah, I mean, it's just been it's been one of those things where um, what I've learned, and
2: God has been reminding me of this a lot lately is that, I mean, I, I love when I get those God nudges and when I can just kind of feel like God's moving in a certain direction. And what I've learned is that God is quicker to give me God nudges when I'm quicker to say yes to them. It just seems mm. like he's more interested in giving me direction when I'm more interested in following it. So I've, I've been trying, not always successfully, but he's been working on me in this idea of like, hey, be ready to say yes before I even ask. And uh, there's a lot, a lot of times that it does not come quickly and it is not that easy. But it's been really fun to see the ways that he's proven faithful when I've just been even faithful. reluctantly chosen mm. to trust him.
0: Mm. Well, today, we have actually starting something that Dan and I have talked about doing, and that is, it's kind of book reviews. Now, we've talked to book authors before. We talked to Nancy Piercy. We talked to Dan Kimball about their own books. But now, we're talking to people who, well, have nothing to do with the book other than the desire to see maybe what the title of this book is about, and our first book review is going to be Francis Chan's latest book, Until Unity. Why, Dan? Well, first of all, it's a great tie-in with Northeast
1: Collaborative's mission. So we empower pastors to lead and launch healthy churches, and we work with a lot of different pastors, a lot of different church sizes, and even in different states. And so in the name of our uh, organization, I mean, Northeast Collaborative, it's the whole point that we are unified in Christ. And so often when we talk about unity, it's like, how do we get unified? when That's really the wrong starting point because unity is not the end goal, unity is the byproduct of a common mission. Christ is the end goal, and we are already unified. We're just called to keep the unity that we're all that we already have. And so, I picked this book because of the subject matter, but also because of Francis Chan himself. I read, um, I read, I think, every book he's written, mm-hmm. but especially the latest one before this, uh, Letters to the Church, was just so challenging as Francis always is. And Francis is kind of a lightning rod in a good way. I think he's very prophetic with a little P. Uh, I'm of the theological persuasion. I don't think there's capital P prophets writing scripture today, but I do think there are uh, prophetic voices like Francis Chan and others who really are are powerful truth tellers. And I think he just calls it like it is. And then people kind of (laughs) either really love it or they really hate it. And I, I wanted to dive into this and I was like, man, If I want to dive into it, I know Tim Madeira, you have done so much to unify the church in Northeast Pennsylvania, and Brad, I know that you have such a passion to see people come to know Christ. And so I was like, man, what if all three of us got together, talked about this one? Let's see how it goes, and then maybe we'll do more book reviews. That Mm. might be a a cool way to kick
0: this off. Mm. Well, my passion for unity, Dan, started with my dad. Uh, My dad is a pastor. We've been in the area for, uh, (laughs) we're going on 50 years now. Mm-hmm. He was very passionate early on about unity in the Northeast Pennsylvania area, which is where he was ministering. The book of Acts, the churches were city churches. He wrote to the church at Philippi or the church at Ephesus, mm-hmm. and that's the way my dad had always explained it to me. And so to me, that is one of the reasons that I think unity in the body of Christ, especially in certain areas, is so important. How about you, Brad? Brad? To me, it just comes back to two separate passages that
2: um, even just looking at the book, Francis highlights that just, uh, like Dan said, Francis has a way of just um, sharing truth and dropping bombs in ways that hurt okay. really good. <laughs> and uh, um, a couple of the the passages that he just highlights um, that I think were not necessarily new, but he just... Put a different light on them. Uh, it was John 17, 21, where mm. Jesus says, Hey, I, I pray that they will all be one. And it, it's just a crazy idea that Jesus prayed for you and I. Mm-hmm. Like for all believers in all of time, he prayed for us. And I, maybe I'm wrong on this. I think this might have been the only time in scripture we see him praying for the body of believers. And um, uh, what he's praying for is that we would all be one. That we would have such unity that it would prove to the world that God sent Jesus. Like So our unity ought to have some weight to it. It ought to have some um, some proving power to it. So that's just convicting in and of itself. And then the other passage I go to is Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. I've seen this passage for a while as kind of a, it's a job description for pastors and leaders and teachers. Uh, Paul's writing and says, uh, he gave the apostles. God gave the the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until mm-hmm. we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. And that's where the title comes from, Until Unity. And was this idea that, like, I'd always heard, yeah, the, the, the job of the, the pastors and the teachers and the leaders is to equip the body to do the work of Christ, which in and of itself is, that That is a whole thing to talk about. And that right? is, there's a lot to unpack there. but Francis just highlighting, yeah, it's to do the work of Christ so that we can achieve the unity that he has for us. So just the the weight that that brings, and those passages and several others um, that Francis highlights in the book, just like, man, this this really it, this isn't just like a side issue. This isn't just like, oh, it's nice when churches do this. like this is
1: this is the meat and potatoes. Exactly. And that's a huge reason why I wanted to pick this book, especially coming out of this COVID crisis. Cause honestly, over the last year and a half, and I'm glad Francis wrote this when he did. Mm. I think part of the biggest reason he did is he just saw how the church responded to the COVID crisis. And honestly, I I think we've made the bride of Christ look like a really ugly bride Mm. in a lot of Mm. ways. And Jesus will never divorce his bride. He's committed to us, no matter how ugly we are warts and all, but man, like I just, Everything he talked about in this book, I'm like, man... We got to get back to this. I mean, I just finished doing uh, a lunch with two pastors and then went and met with another pastor in our new city where we are in Cortland, New York here. Pastor Daniel's a, a Presbyterian pastor. And like, it's it's mind boggling to me how many pastors serve alongside other pastors who believe the same gospel, teach from, from the Bible in the exact same way that they should, as you know, that it's authoritative and, you know, shepherd and, and serve in the same vein as Jesus told us to. And mm. never talk with each other, never right. hang out, never spend time. Mm. And, like, I just feel like that's a big part of what Northeast Collaborative can bring to the table is facilitating <laughs> connections and being chief dot connectors for relationships so that we can preserve the unity that we already have.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I think uh, one of the things that uh, you said, Brad, that really hit with me as I read the book as well, and and in Francis's other books as well, is that he hurts good. The <laughs> book of Proverbs talks about the wounds of a friend, but he never comes across as a finger pointer, but as hmm. a, this is our problem. This is something that we all do, including <clears> himself. When he wrote this book, he had, and, and came back from or was he in Hong Kong, I think? He had spent a year there. And mm-hmm. he said, I, I felt that the church was more deeply divided in just one year. And mm. I think we see that in our community, in our political community. And that political community, unfortunately, filtered down into the church. Mm. For
1: so many factors. I mean, you've got critical race theory. You've got mass or mo- no mass. You've got different leaders, big-name leaders falling, and then people kind of losing that that leader that they had followed for a long time. And they're like, Oh man, like, where's my faith after this pastor or leader I've been following? Like, there's just so many things that happen so quickly in like a year and a half, two year span. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that Francis brings out, and I think the whole book basically rests on this is he says, the reason we're not unified is because we're not humble. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it Mm -hmm. sounds so simplistic, but we don't do a whole lot about it. Like I remember in college when I learned that humility is a spiritual discipline that you can chase. Humility is a spiritual discipline that you can pursue and you can grow in. And it's not that whole adage of like, once you're chasing or say you're humble, you're not. It's like, no, you can actually grow in it. And we all need to go down that road because as he says, uh, revival requires repentance and mm-hmm. you can't repent without humility and you can't be unified without humility. Mm-hmm just building off of that, the idea that I think so often
2: we draw our lines. And like you mentioned political lines, you mentioned masks, you no know, masks, like all kinds of things. Like It's totally fine to have opinions on all of those things. And if I think all of us will have opinions on those things. But I think what becomes the problem is twofold. One, we forget that at the end of the day, we're still family. And if, if we're talking about gospel-driven, Christ-centered churches that are full of believers who we're going to spend eternity with, who matter deeply to God, who He sent His Son to die for. How could we not love them? How can we let little things divide us like this when we're going to spend eternity with them? I'm right now... I um, at a family vacation, uh, spending a couple of days in the Poconos with with my sisters and their husbands and my parents. And you know, we're we're not identical, but we're still family.
0: And you don't agree uh, on everything, Brad. No, we, <laughs> don't.
2: we do not agree on everything. Um, and I think even just building off of the humility idea that Dan just was saying, um, one of the points that that Francis brought out that I thought was just just hit me right between the eyes is that how prideful do I have to be to believe that my doctrine, my opinion, my interpretation of every single issue has got to be the right one?
1: Mm.
2: Because the reality is, uh, I don't know that there is any Christian, maybe if you want to say the apostles, uh, I don't know if there's any Christian since Jesus who's had perfect theology. Mm. And if if I'm going to start saying that because you don't see this the way that I see it, you are automatically wrong rather than saying, maybe I'm wrong, then that's a very proud uh, stance to take just because something makes sense to me to assume that it has to be that way. Um, and it's a very dividing stance to take. And that that was a really convicting part to me.
0: Mm. Now, as we look at unity in the body of Christ, I think we've really discovered from John 17 why Jesus said that unity is so important. As we look at the book, and we've talked about some of the things that we like, what are some of the things maybe that you walked away from and went, Oh, I just don't know about that.
1: Well, I will say as much as I respect Francis and I'm so thankful for him. I mean, I remember going to passion conferences and hearing him talk about eternity live It's like my world was changed. I mean, John Piper, so many of these godly men who have just, you know, God's used. I'm very thankful for him. I find though that a lot of times Francis, God uses him to kind of raise the problem. Like, Hey, here's the problem. Here's the issue. hmm and then I'm kind of like, and like, what do we do next? Mm-hmm. And like, he really never goes there. And I think part mm-hmm. of it is that's not really his role because I think the answer really is different in different mm-hmm. towns and different churches and different leadership yeah. you know, structures. And so there's a lot of different answers that can come. But like, I would say that's one thing that's missing is I feel like a book like this. And he even said this with letters to the church. He said, some of you are going to use this to bully your pastor or to, you know, write off your pastor, you know, to go to people and say, here's why you're wrong. He's like, that's not how you should use this book. But I even feel it with this. Like, I feel like some people will take a book like this and be like, see, unity is important. It's really important. You should know it's important. And then never actually pull the trigger mm-hmm. on repenting and being humble. And just we're, we're experts at complicating the simple. Mm-hmm. And I think really the strategy needs to be, okay, where is pride in my life with other believers? Mm-hmm. And how can I demonstrate that I love and value belie- even believers? See, if we can't even do it with believers, how are we going to do it with people who are mm-hmm. far from God? Right, like that's anyway. I I'm obviously very passionate about this. Well, it's but. funny
0: because actually that's what I like about the way Francis Chan writes is that he doesn't write a proscription; he writes a prescription. He says, look, this is mm. this is the way we need to be. How we get there can look different for different people. I remember when I was growing up, we went through a course called Growing Kids God's Way. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. There are people that that thump that like the Bible. And we used it with our kids. I mean, so the interrupt rule and all all different kinds of things that we learned from that. But when they thumped it like the Bible, people got upset. And rightfully so sometimes, mm. because they're quoting chapter and verse of a book instead of chapter and verse of the Bible. And that's what I liked mm. about the way Francis writes this, is he says, this is the the general way that we should do it, how we actually live it out, a different story. Yeah, yeah and there's even a, I think it was the first chapter where he literally
2: just is like, yo, I'm just going to recite. Scripture after scripture after scripture, and you might just put this book down now and just go, and if that's all you got out of the book is that you looked at scripture in a new way, like, cool. Yeah. Um, so I, I agree. I love that. But I also I agree with you, Dan, where there's just some of the like, okay, but where does the rubber meet the road? Because even even the other side of it is there is a a biblical condition um, and a, a biblical mandate for leaders and for churches to to be discerning Mm -hmm. and there there does come a point of hey we've got to protect the sheep from wolves and i think uh francis is really intentional to say like hey our our wolf is way off and we're saying everybody's a wolf and we're saying that (laughs) you know you're disagreeing with me on this little thing so you're therefore a heretic and you aren't a true believer and you're not this and and francis is real clear of like Hey, no, 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 that's, that's, that's off. Like we we can disagree on things mm, and mm. still be part of the same family and still be unified and all of that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do think there is uh, some, a, a little more to be said about, um, okay, but what do you do? Like, what are those things that we should be more discerning about? Um, obviously the gospel and just having a clear representation of that. But I, I don't know that he went into any more of like, is there more than that? Is there other things that churches should say, Hey, we, we're going to respect you from a distance or, you know, that kind of stuff.
1: I I think it's hard to come up with the list. And when I say the list of the closed handed things that we die for and the open handed things that we share, I, I have not come up with a definitive list. Mm -hmm. I'd like to someday, maybe when I'm like 99 years old and And have nothing else to (laughs) do. Yeah. But I will say this, the older I get, The less it that there is so much less in my closed hand. Like there's so Mm -hmm. much less doctrine that I would die for. And I would say the things that are still in there, I think I'm actually getting more passionate about dying for them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So like we're getting less, Mm -hmm. but more like powerful. Meaning like like, I met with a pastor one time from northeast Pennsylvania, and he's like, You guys have a cafe, a coffee shop how do we How do we get that started at our church? And I was like, oh, well, before we talk about that, I just want to talk about why. Like, why do you want a coffee shop? And he's like, well, we want people to come to church. I was like, great, but like, why come to church? He's like, well, we want them to be like really good people. And mm. I was like, okay, well, you know, we kind of started the coffee shop for something different. Like we want people to be transformed by the the gospel and stuff. And like, he was like, okay, now hold on. He's like, you probably believe this thing called substitutionary atonement. Like, I don't believe that. I think Jesus was only our example. Like, I don't believe he died in our place. And I was like, okay. So I said, Hey man, listen, here's the deal. And I just, I, I wasn't rude. You know, I got to know him a little bit and we spent time, but I was clear with him. I said, Hey man, like if you want to hang out as friends, That's fine. Like, we can totally do that. But quite honestly, on church stuff, like when it comes to Mm -hmm. ministry, I can't team up with you because quite honestly, like, that's a hill I die on. Mm, Like, that is not a a negotiable thing. That's not an open handed thing. Like, this is the essence of the good news. And I cannot back down from that. And yeah. so yeah I think Francis does a good job of saying yes we obviously there are things we
0: die for mm-hmm. it's just not nearly as many as we think they are right. Now are you sure Dan that it's not just because you don't drink coffee <laughs> Just I mean, had that's why he was really
1: intentional to ask me wow, questions. You just outed me. You just outed me on the podcast, Tim. I don't know.
0: We may we may ask you uh, I gonna
1: go down by half it's by the
2: exactly next time right. like, ah, I, don't know can right. I can't trust guy. a guy
0: that doesn't drink coffee. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what are some of your favorite quotes from the book? I'll start with mine because this one hit me right between the eyes. We mm-hmm. divide easily because we love shallowly. Mm. 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 Mic drop. <laughs> uh, we have so many. And look, the fact that I've known Brad for a year on Facebook, that's very shallow. It's a shallow yeah. relationship. I've learned mm. more about Brad in the you know 25 minutes we've been together so far talking about Francis Chan's book than I have in all my time on Facebook. And I'll mm. learn a lot more the more time I spend with him. Now, Dan, I've spent a lot of time with. I know a lot about Dan. I know that he doesn't drink coffee and you're uh, still friends with me. And I can't I'm still it. friends because I love deeply Dan.
1: God's been working
2: in his heart. He's been it. leading it. him.
1: That's it. But, but that, that is, I think the true measure of love is mm. so, so like social media and the digital age has played into this so much because people feel way more connected than they are. Right. I was just preaching Mm -hmm. on this where like, we feel so connected to people just because we digitally see what we're, we're more aware of what people are doing, thinking and you know, their activity, but there is so much less risk when you just sit behind a keyboard or you type with your thumbs and you just, you just go at it on perspectives or Mm -hmm. you, you judge people by what they put, what they choose to put online or what they don't choose to put online. And it's like, We've got to learn how to build real relationships with each other. And frankly, I think this will be a big challenge for Gen Z. I think Gen Z is mm-hmm. going to, one of their big struggles is going to be how do we really connect uh, in person and show love and actually embrace the messiness of other people yeah. in real time rather than yeah. behind keyboards. And because that's the word, right? Is messy. Mm-hmm. Like real relationships are messy. Right. And social
2: media, is often not messy. It's, you know, everybody's highlight reels. And you're not seeing the behind the scenes. You're not seeing the struggles and the breakdowns. And um, you're not getting those tense interactions and, and um, not just seeing the needs as much. Whereas like a real relationship, it, it's messy. And um, that gets uncomfortable. And that requires more from me as I choose to love someone in the mess So it's a lot easier to, to love from a distance. It's a lot easier to let my love be shallow and to like someone or to like what they post and to be connected than it is to love them. And to, you know, even just thinking about in, in Philippians where it just talks about, I believe it's Philippians where it talks about uh, putting the interests of others before yourself. Like, if you really think about like, man, how often do I put someone else's interest before my own or do I value someone's interests? But I still put mine first. And if they can line up, then great. Versus like, no, I'm, I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to put my wants, my needs, my desires away. And I just want to pour into you. Mm-hmm. I just want to love you. Mm-hmm. That's just so different. Yeah. Well, do you have a favorite, Brad? Yeah. So like I said, the the whole concept of just humility around being right versus being wrong and like thinking that I have to be right, that really hit me, but probably the quote that I still have reminders of and it. Like my phone will still pop up and uh, I've intentionally just tried to keep this quote in front of me is that uh, none of us are as good at faking love as we think. Um, mm. And uh, just this idea that like I can, it's kind of building off that idea of the shallow love. Like I can, I can think I'm faking love. I can think that I'm putting on a good front, but man, there, there's just something so different about truly choosing to love. And, I think Francis highlights the fact that like we're, we're really good. Um, I think as a society, as the, as human beings and as the North American church, we're really good at feeling convicted when we hear a good sermon or when we read a good book and like, Oh yeah, that really hit me. And I got to do something about it. And the the conviction stays right there in the service. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I don't think it's just a church thing. I think that's, uh, we get convicted about
0: lots of things like oh, sure. I need to go
2: lose weight. And, you know, it's it's that whole thing. But when we look at Francis ourselves in the mirror like, in
0: the morning, we see the weight, we go, yeah, I got to lose that. And then we walk out the door and like the scripture says, we forget what it looked like.
2: Yep, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, I think Francis is just really good at, at highlighting like, no, we, we got to do something with this. Like Matthew 25, Jesus separates the, the goats and the sheep based on who loved. And not
1: who talks about love or who had a great theory of love, but who actually loved. Mm. So, Tim, one of my favorites was uh, we've created a category of Christians that doesn't exist. And his point is the true believer must acknowledge Jesus as Lord. And I Mm. think because of the authority issues that we have in our culture... So many people are like, Jesus is a great experience, a great spiritual experience. And I love Mm. him as savior, Mm. (laughs) but I'm not willing to make him my Lord. And Francis, Mm. I think accurately is a voice to say, no, you don't get that option. If he is truly your savior, he will be your Lord. And I'm actually prepping to preach revelation one this Sunday. And it's like, Good. (laughs) Who Jesus currently is, is more awesome and powerful than we could ever imagine. It's Mm -hmm. like, we don't get to have homeboy Jesus or punchline Mm -hmm. Jesus or any of those types of things. Like he is the Lord and leader and savior. He's all of it, all encompassing. And I think when it comes to unity, that that's where we, we miss it because we say, well, we love him to be our savior. But something else is going to be my Lord, and a lot of times in the Christian world, the Christian bubble, it's my preferences and my comfort zones, my religious preferences of how to do church and what a good sermon should or shouldn't be, or it's just the comfort zones of yeah i I'm glad I'm saved, but you know, even in John seventeen, like Jesus said, the glory that the glory will be seen when the whole world knows. That I am sent from the Father. That is the glory of God showing. So, like, loving other people who are far from God is maturity. Like, actually being a mature Christian is loving other people far from God, but Mm -hmm.
0: we're not going to do that if we can't even love each other submitting to the authority of Christ. Yeah. And it is a beautiful thing when that happens. I just preached from Ephesians chapter 4 a couple of weeks ago up at uh, Tim Madden's church, and one of the points that I made is that it is a beautiful thing in a family when you see people, as you mentioned the, the verse from Philippians 2-4, looking out for others' interests rather than your own, and then in the church as we serve others as Christ served the church and gave himself for it. I mean... That is an incredible standard. Yeah, and it's a standard that we
2: frankly cannot match if not for the embedded power of the Holy Spirit. If not for the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead Absolutely. working in me, then I am going to continue to be terrible at that. Mm. And um, the more that I can choose to lean into the Holy Spirit in a state of dependency and more, and that humility aspect, like dependency, humility, I think it, it all ties together to say like, man, no, I I don't have this right. I've got so far to go. Jesus loves me in my mess. He loves yes. me where I'm at, but he wants to take me forward. And so Holy Spirit, please stretch me. And man, a couple of weeks ago, I had, I had dinner with a, a local pastor and we were just talking through stuff and uh, one of the things I've just been praying about this year is I just want to have uh tender heartedness, um, towards God and towards others. And I just want to not just go through the motions, not just check the boxes, but like mm. to truly love God and truly love people. And, uh, one of the things he said to me that just struck me was like, Brad, are, are you sure you're ready for that? Because if you're going to really love people, that's messy. That's hard. And it's going to happen one hard conversation, one hard decision, one hard step of obedience at a time. Mm. And um, not that every time it's hard, but often I think our capacity for loving is grown when we take those decisions that are stretching that are outside of our comfort zone that's when our capacity grows
0: yeah i'm learning from my kids i was talking to my daughter on the phone yesterday and she through her church came in contact with a woman that had a need she said i went to her house and she said it was so different than mine she said mm. this was this was so mm. far out of my comfort zone uh, my daughter is mm. like has the picture perfect house and puts it up on instagram and always looks so great and she said i went in and i'm like mm. It blew her mind, really. And she Mm -hmm. said, but this is what Christ has called me to do. I need to do it and do it with an embrace, not a Mm hands-off, stand back, Mm -hmm. but an
1: embrace. You Mm -hmm. know what I found? I I tend to, in my own heart, I recognize I love people who are far from God. I I feel like I'm better at loving them than Mm -hmm. I am other believers. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I have a much harder time loving other believers because I find I I tend to be a Pharisee to Pharisees. And Mm. so to me, it's like, okay, if you've got a pharisaical attitude and you can't you know, embrace someone who is running hard away from God, like the prodigal son, I'm like judging you, Mm -hmm. which you become the older brother at that point. You're like, (laughs) man, you're such an older brother. And it's like, oh wait, that's That's what I just became. And I think that's what's happening in our society today at large in America, but also in the church. We constantly become what we hate, <laughs> mm. and and that is such a huge problem when, when we're not in the Word of God, which is a mirror, and looking and going, okay, this isn't just for other people mm. or other believers. This is for me, and I think the, the more that we lean into actually um, following through on what we already know. <laughs> Rather than learning more that we rarely live out, Mm -hmm. I think we'll start to be more unified as we take those simple steps of obedience.
0: And I think that's one Mm -hmm. of the reasons why Chan in the book just says, look, here's the verses. Like you said, Brad, the very first chapter, I mean, (laughs) like page after page after page of scriptures on unity. It's what we need to hear. And sometimes we're going to take flack for it because people are going to say, oh, you're going too much in this direction or you're going too much in that direction but it is what we are called to as a part of the body of Christ. You know, it's, it's funny because I had a quote that I wanted to share with you guys, and I, I hesitated to do it. It's not a quote, really. It's a it's a dad poem. You ready for it? Go for yes. it. To dwell above with saints we love will be eternal glory. To dwell below with saints we know, well, that's another story. Tim, <laughs> you have no idea how many times
1: I've heard that in my life. Like, literally... <laughs> That might have been the five hundredth time I've heard that oh and really it's still and it's still so true it is it <laughs> is I'll tell you what I heard that
0: on an album from a guy named Don Loney. I don't know where you heard it from, Dan. Some of that stuff really sticks with you, and it's, I think, part of the reason why unity is so important to me, and I know it's important to you, Brad, and to you, Dan, and that's why I think this book can be such an encouragement to us. You've talked, Dan, already about the importance of unity to NEC, and I think this book can help to encourage that unity.
1: Yeah, I would highly recommend, if, if you haven't read it yet and you're listening to this podcast, I mean, Tim, Brad, and I, we would all agree, read it. But don't read it in a sense of critiquing Francis. Like I critiqued him a little mm. bit in this episode, but really like, as I read it, I was just like, man, again, we're experts at complicating the simple. And I'm like, this, this really isn't that hard. And i found as far as strategy goes, I would say one of the biggest things for me is just asking people, what's your story? And And yes, with unbelievers, but with other believers, because sometimes we just get so amped up about differences with other believers but we don't really understand where they're coming from, why they believe what they believe. And even when they hurt us, hurt people, hurt people, oftentimes people mm-hmm. who come at us for stuff, they're only doing it out of woundedness and pain. Mm-hmm. And if we try to understand that, I mean, that's helped me. I don't do it perfectly. I've got a long way to go in this, but this book has helped me to become mm-hmm. more
0: like Jesus. And I and I think mm-hmm. it will for you as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, Brad, can you close us with a word of prayer for Francis Chan and for unity in the churches here in Northeast America? One of the things that we do when we do our podcast is we always ask the guests, how can we pray for you? Sometimes the attacks that these guys are under when they put forth the word of Mm -hmm. truth is pretty incredible. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I would be honored. So Jesus, we thank you so much for, um, as Dan said, just the voice that Francis gives to so many and to what we truly believe to be a, a God-given message that it's not just that the the Church of America needs to unify. It's not just that the um, the church as a whole needs to unify. it's that mm. we as individuals, we need to love more. we need to love better. We need to love uh, when people don't look like us. we need to love when it's not comfortable. We need to choose um, to love with a Christ-like love that's willing to die to ourselves and uh, just truly put the interests of others and the needs of others and the messiness of others um, in perspective and to yes. love the way that you love them. So God, I pray you would help us all to do that. I pray that everyone listening, uh, if they've not read the book, I pray they'd be encouraged to go read it. And But even if not, I pray that they would just be encouraged to love more. And God, we do lift up Francis right now and, and Lisa, his wife and his kids mm-hmm. and Um, just their whole family god continue to guard him and build him up and i just thank you so much for the testament and the the leadership and the example that he is and uh, and every time I hear him preach and every time I read one of his books, I just fall uh, more and more in awe of, of you, God. Mm. So thank you for him. And I pray that, that 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 fire, that spark, that intensity would continue for years and years and years. Yes. God, we love you. Thanks for this conversation. Thanks for these guys, for, for Tim and for Dan and for NEC and all that they're doing. We pray that you would just uh, have great favor on them and do abundantly
0: more than we could ask or think. It's your name we pray amen amen thanks brad thanks dan as always all of the information that we do on the show are going to be in the show notes thank you for listening to dense in the darkness it is the monthly podcast of the northeast collaborative i encourage you if you were encouraged by today's discussion that you get the book read the book and if you were encouraged by this podcast in any way shape or form please share it with someone else